We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar brought to you by BlueWire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, joined as always by my co-host, John Ellis. John, how are you? Billy, what's up, man? Um... Getting into the middle of January here and a lot to get to as the Panthers are looking for a head coach. Good to be back with you, bud. Definitely. Um, so we'll, we'll just keep update you guys on where things stand with the head coaching search um, and other developments from this organization uh, since the season concluded a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, as it stands right now, they were they've completed, I believe, five interviews Um those names are Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, Steve Wilkes, um, Elijah Ivero, and I believe Shane Steichen also interviewed with them virtually last mm-hmm. week. Um, is there a name I'm missing, John? No, I think that covers it right there. I mean, you look at what they're doing in terms of uh, the interviews. The most uh, recent is Evero. You mentioned he's the defensive coordinator from Denver. Very good uh, pedigree. He's been around a lot of good coaches, and I'm, I'm fascinated by him. Uh, Steichen, as you mentioned, they did interview him. Frank Reich, Wilkes, and uh, Caldwell are on that list. So yeah, it's five, and um, it was going to be more. But you know, obviously, there's some there's some extenuating circumstances with Charlotte FC. Just a tragic situation with the loss of one of their players. And I, I think you know, I, we'll get your take on this too. But the owner and management group there with Tepper Sports Entertainment probably did the right thing by pressing the pause button here and you know saying hey it's just not the right time or place to be doing the rest of these interviews which was going to include a meeting today as we come to you on a Friday with Sean Payton so that's on hold as well as a couple of defensive coordinator um, interviews Uh, they do have they did have scheduled uh, originally this week uh, Ken Dorsey for Saturday and then Sunday was supposed to be Mike Kafka's day so we'll see what happens there but Obviously, five are in the books right now in terms of interviews. For sure. So let's get into some of the reporting that has taken place here. Um, First things first, the the report yesterday from Jonathan Jones that um, Nicole Tepper, the wife of David Tepper, who is supposedly involved in the coaching search, as we discussed last week, um, did not complete mandatory inclusive training and i don't know what type of violations this will have on 
Carolina. I don't know if if it's just fines or if there's some sort of draft pick penalty penalty. I don't know. Yeah. All I will say is this. Um, and, and just for the record, the Panthers denied it, but Jonathan Jones is as um, rock solid as it gets, not only just in nationally, but he has plenty of sources within the Panthers organization. Totally. So yep. I, I trust him. With all due respect, I trust him more than what the team is saying um, <laughs> uh, because they can just be, you know, they can say she did some of the training but didn't do part of it. Um, so here's my thing with this. I have a uh, – some people are going to brush it off and say who cares. I don't think that's the case here, okay? The reason why is this. The NFL is clearly, clearly – I don't think anyone would disagree with this. It has an issue with some of their uh, business practices when it comes to elevating minorities in key roles and positions. And for a member of this search committee to violate that and not do like a mandatory training, which I don't know what the training is. I don't know, but I work at a, uh, you know, I've had a couple jobs in consulting, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is what I do in my daytime. And I can tell you that these type of uh, trainings are essentially like a one hour video that you can just skip over and just do an exam at the end and just that's how you satisfy you know the requirement uh to me more than anything else it just it, it's very sloppy i'll say that and it's not a good look no um, there's already report well not reports but just speculation on uh why certain candidates are pulling out right now there's a total of 3 candidates have pulled out for various reasons i'll get to those in a second mm-hmm. but to me john this is just something that could have been avoided it wasn't avoided it's just sloppy it reeks unfortunately of incompetence i don't i don't say that lightly i'm just saying like why would you not get this done like it i don't yeah, understand totally no i mean look it's a fair it's a fair critique i mean for what we know right now and and, and again the caveat being that we're not piling on here this is just it's our job to be as fair as we can. So you have to separate what's going on with the Charlotte FC's tragic situation right now with the loss of one of their players. And I commend the entire organization for how they're handling it. But separate that from this report that comes from one of the finest people on the planet, Jonathan Jones, as you mentioned. Great reporter, great guy. As honest as the day is as long and as well-sourced as anybody in the Panthers camp. I can tell you that, and you know that really probably as well as I do. So this report does look bad. It's a bad look. And, you know, in a world that we live in right now in terms of optics, in terms of, you know, crossing your I's, dotting your T's, (laughs) crossing your T's, dotting your I's, I'm sorry, just losing my mind here. But more importantly, making sure that you're taking the processes that are in place seriously, because as you mentioned, it's not all about optics. It's about actually following the right process and making the hiring process more equitable for the entire playing field. And it's, Interesting that Steve Wilkes, who is in the middle of a lawsuit right now, is the one that's interviewing for this job, among others, in the middle of all this. And it just comes full circle, I guess, when you look at the report from Jonathan Jones that uh, does read here that, according to sources, Nicole Tepper, the wife of David Tepper and the chief administrative offer of TSE, has not fulfilled the required inclusive hiring training necessary for her part in the interviews as of Tuesday night. 
Now, I find that interesting, the timing of it. This is all speculation here because I've done no reporting on it myself. But I, I would say this, that the statement that was given in Jones's article from the team was, quote, she was trained prior to participating in interviews. No further elaboration was given. So piece that together. That, to me, tells me, if I'm just guessing, and I'm allowed to guess on a podcast, that, okay, they caught them in a pickle there. Somebody didn't do what they had to do in terms of taking the required training. They were notified on a certain date. Since then, it, I guess they're saying here, it has since been fulfilled. But it's interesting, the timing dynamic, when you've got all this going on in terms of trying to find your next head coach, does this leave a stain on that search? Does it turn candidates away? Does it make candidates question, okay, I don't think there's a bad bone in their body in terms of being biased. I don't think it's that, but I think it's more of a sloppy issue, like you said. you got to make sure yeah. you got your stuff together. And this is just simple, basic, rudimentary stuff. Although it's the first year of the policy, you don't see reports of other teams right now going through this. And there's five other teams looking for a head coach. Four, actually. There's five total. So it's a bad look. Um, the memo went out December 2nd about this, and it, it was very clear about how this process works. And Jones did additional reporting on this back then, sort of highlighting what this policy was going to look like. So everybody had time to prepare. You know, Again, I, I said this last night on Twitter. I'll say it again. That's as much detail as I'll provide in terms of analysis and opinion until I hear something more definitive in terms of reporting. What are the ramifications from this? What does the team lose? I, I don't know if they'll lose anything. It might be a slap on the wrist. Maybe they'll look into it further and something comes in terms of a fine or loss of a pick. I would hope not. But, you know, this is part of the business and this is part of learning how to own. As, as Pat Kerwin always says, Billy, and I love Pat Kerwin because he always says this about new owners and we still consider Dave in that category. Got to learn how to own. And part of it's making sure this process doesn't reach moments like this. Um, I couldn't agree more, but yeah, this starts at the top here. I don't look, you can have whoever you want being part of this head coaching search. Uh, you just need to make sure that the checks and balances are fulfilled and there are no gaps in your process, as you say. And I don't necessarily think this is all just learning how to own. It's, I mean, I'm sure he's learned some things, but it's also, I mean, he runs a very successful hedge fund. I mean, I'm yeah. assuming that the, the hedge fund that right. he has plenty of employees that work for him also have to go through trainings, whatever it is, whether yeah. it's IT training, uh, sexual assault training, workplace environment training, stuff like that. Like you do that at any job the first day. Yeah. And when you're taking part in an initiative that the NFL has clearly set forward because they are upset at the lack of minorities being elevated in a head coaching position, GM positions, offensive coordinator positions, whatever. This is clearly a point that they want to make. Now, again, I don't, I'm not going to speculate. I don't know what type of punishments, if any, will come from this. Um, it, it just, it's unfortunate that it had to come out. And uh, let's just hope that there are no further issues with this head coach. Yeah. Search. I mean, Billy, it's just uh, like I texted you last night. I mean, between this and, and, you know, everything else that has happened here since this ownership group took over, it just is always something. And you just want this process to go smoothly. You can't control certain things. You can't control tragic events within your operation. 
I, I am not going to get on their case about any of that. But I'm also not going to you know, blend the two issues and marry the two issues and be like, oh, well, they're going through something tough here. Let's give this a pass. No, that's not how it works. These are completely separate issues at hand. And this entire operation, and it starts at the top, just please stop making this so hard. That's all I'd ask. Just please, you know, and let's get down to the business of finding the right head coach that can turn this team into a championship contender. I have no doubt they want to do that, but wanting to do it and the ability to do it are two separate things, and you don't want things like this popping up on your radar. You just don't. Yeah. Um, So with that being said, we've already mentioned the five candidates who have already interviewed. Um, One of the candidates, or well, there's actually three candidates who have pulled out. Uh, those candidates are Gerard Mayo, the linebackers coach and defensive coach for the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. D'Amico Rines, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Now, it was reported by Jonathan Jones and others that Johnson, or Ben Johnson was uh, a very strong candidate for Carolina. Doesn't necessarily mean he would have gotten the job, uh, but there was just a lot of reporting that signaled that uh, the Panthers were enamored with him. Yeah. Um, Carolina did not get a chance to interview him uh, a day before the interview was scheduled to take place in person. Uh, ben Johnson decided to remain with the Detroit Lions. Yep. Uh, here's what I'll say about that. I don't know. You know, I heard. I think it was Rappaport or Pelissero. One of them said that there were some family dynamics in play as well. I don't, I don't know what is going on with this family. That's uh, way too premature for me to speculate. I don't know the guy personally. All I will say is this: um, you know, head coaches, especially the guys um, who are calling plays, uh, your window of opportunity to become a head coach is very small. You know, Byron Lefwich, he got plenty of interviews last year. He was very close to getting the Jaguars job, and uh, now he's fired as an offensive coordinator and. Who knows where his career goes? Yeah, right. Uh, so for me, you know, I'm not going to criticize Ben Johnson at all. I think that he's him staying in Detroit uh, could very well lead to some great things for that organization, an organization that's, uh, I would say, you know, been on the downturn for many years. But Coach Campbell has done a really great job, uh, especially with their general manager, Brad Holmes, like rebuilding it and their position to be one of the favorites in the NFC North and possibly even the NFC next year. Uh, the only thing I will say is your window of opportunity is small. Like what happens if Jared Goff suffers an injury, yep. then who knows how people will view Ben Johnson, uh, you know, in that respect. And again, I've I'm not a huge Jared Goff guy, but he's perfectly competent NFL quarterback. Um, but, you know, beneath, you know, a guy like Goff is probably not better than him. And that could really, they could struggle to uh, improve in that regard. And, Again, he has to do what's best for him. My whole thing now is I don't know if he turned down the Panthers because he just didn't want to be a part of this organization or whatever. He got cold feet or if he really liked Detroit. Um, The other two, D'Amico, Ryan, it seems like there's some logistical issues with Ryan's not wanting to travel uh, to the East Coast, which is totally understandable because he is currently in the playoffs preparing yeah. for a divisional round game. Um, and the Panthers, it seems like, are taking 
holding interviews in Manhattan. Um, you know, Tepper's office, you know, his Appaloosa management office, he has one in Fort Lauderdale and one in New Jersey. So I assume uh, Manhattan is probably where he would hold uh, some of those meetings. And um, it seems like they could circle back around to D'Amico Ryan's if yeah. things kind of work out. Uh, and then Gerard Mayo, it seems like he got a promotion and raise from the Patriots. I think he was supposed to interview for the Browns defensive coordinator job and he turned them down. Uh, so Demik, or excuse me, Gerard Mayo will be in New England and there's speculation that he could potentially be the coach in waiting for the Patriots after Belichick retires. So I think those two cases, um, I don't necessarily see those two guys as turning down the Panthers because of the ownership. It just seems like one is a logistical issue and um, one is a situation where um you know, Mayo could be having uh, a lot more power and control uh, in a in an organization um, that could be in transition in the years to come. Um, but the Ben Johnson one, it, it, again, it really fascinates me. I'm not criticizing a decision to pull out. I, I just wonder if there was anything else at play uh, regarding his desire not to interview with the Panthers. Well, here's what I can tell you. When you talk to people around the league, and we had uh, Mike Kay on this podcast a while back from the Charlotte Observer, and Mike was on my show on Fox Sports Upstate down here in the Carolinas yesterday, and Mike sort of echoed a lot of what I felt was the case and kind of sensed and, and heard from around league circles. And and we, yeah, I'm sure we all talk to the same type of people out there, and you get the same type of sense that, hey, Carolina wanted Ben Johnson. They absolutely wanted him. Now, it was he their top choice? I can't confirm that. I don't think anybody can really confirm it. But damn, he was top two, top three. And, and Mike agrees with that in his reporting. I mean, he talked about it on the radio yesterday. So it was, I don't want to say it was a stunning development, because you can never be surprised by anything in the NFL. But I think it caught them a little off guard. I think it was a little bit surprising. I know it caught me off guard, because you're sitting there waiting. It's 24 hours away from an interview. And as you mentioned, these opportunities, I mean, especially this year, there's only five of them. They don't come around that often. And I don't think it was Ben Johnson necessarily looking at it and saying, oh, man, Detroit is highly appealing. I want to stay here. Because as you mentioned, what if Jared gets hurt? Or what if, you know, their offensive line goes to shambles next year? He's done a great job there. But all it takes is a few injuries and your stock starts falling. And you become Leftwich 2.0. And that's a shame for Byron, but that's the reality of the business. So I totally agree with you. You strike while the iron's hot. There's something about the opportunities he had, including the one that was in front of him the very next day that he canceled, that didn't appeal to him. I, I got to say that. And, you know, one thing you had mentioned about family. What do you think it was? Well, here's, you know, and it's interesting what Mike Kay had talked about on my show. And again, I'm not speaking out of turn here because Mike said it. And this was on the air, and you know, I don't have the clip in front of me, but he said it on our very show down here in the Upstate. That, and again, he's speculating too, but he has to wonder, you know, being local, being a guy who has family and friends here in the Carolinas, maybe they kind of looked at the ownership and, and management here and said, what's going on? This is just not the right place for me at the right time. Coaches talk, man, and coaches talk to people they know, and there's a lot of local connectivity here with Ben Johnson in the Carolinas. He played up in Nashville in high school, went to North Carolina, played there. And I, the hell, I, I'll be honest with you, my boss down here at iHeartRadio, 
he called his football games up there. He knows him pretty well, knows the guy. We were talking. We were excited. We were like, we've got a new guest. We can get him on every week. And the same could be said about this podcast, but not to be. Billy, I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I definitely don't want to speak for Ben Johnson. I don't want to speak for the Panthers. But I, I got the sense that there was a lot of interest on the Panthers' side to get him in, get the interview conducted, size him up. But they really had a lot of interest in his personality, the way he leads, but I just don't know how much interest was there in return. Obviously, it's not enough. He canceled the interview. He's he's going to be a coordinator again. And there's only 32 of these jobs. So, again, I don't want to get crazy. I don't want to blame, you know, the owner. There's also the factor of, you know, would your stock increase with another year as a coordinator? And that, that's a hard bet, as you said. That's a great point you raised, man. But um, that that was a surprise to me. And, and when you talk to people around the league, Billy, just a few people that you and I know, you get the sense that, Carolina was really hoping to have that interview with them. That um, you got to be agile right now in this process, and you got to be willing to say, "Okay, you know, shit happens. Let's pick up the pieces and move on." I don't think they were devastated, but uh, I I can't say they weren't surprised. From my knowledge, um, it's something that they definitely wanted to go through. Uh, he's a great candidate. The more I got to know his work and looked at his film and saw his interviews, and you know, you can you can learn so much not knowing him face to face. But man, it's an impressive job he's done up there. Only one year as a play caller, I understand that. But, um, yeah, if, they, if he does what he did this year again in Detroit, he'll be a head coach very soon. But that's a dangerous game you play. I just I, I hate that he didn't get in the building. I hate it. Yeah, for sure. And, again, I don't know. I'm assuming that interview would have taken place in Manhattan. Uh, but I can't – I cannot yeah, confirm I, I don't know that for sure either. I, I, I do think part of the Manhattan dynamic was lining up Sean Payton. And you mentioned Tepper has, you know, property up there lining up the interview with all the New York kind of teams and Sean Payton, you know, because tomorrow was going to be the Ken Dorsey day. I don't, to my knowledge, Billy, have, have those been canceled officially or are those still on? Because I, I haven't heard anything about the Dorsey and Mike Kafka stuff being canceled. That my, my thought was it would time up with the playoff schedule to where those coaches would be coming back into town or they'd already be in town in either Buffalo or in New Jersey and they could just do it all there in the central location. But I don't know. I, I don't even know where the Ben Johnson interview was going to happen, but um, they never got to talking. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a hell of a lot going on. As, as Mike K did say, it's one of the crazier hiring cycles he's seen, and I, I agree with it. Well, for me, it, it's actually a very quiet cycle. Not necessarily quiet in the sense of there's no news it's just there's only five teams looking for coaches yeah. usually it's like a quarter of the league at least seven to eight teams so i mean that might help carolina but at the same time as we just saw with ben johnson it doesn't take a coordinator to just turn down an interview and again I, i'm not speculating that he turned down carolina because he had cold feet with the owner or whatever. I don't know. I'm just telling you, like, uh, I don't think Johnson will be the first head coaching candidate to turn down an offer. I, I think he, I think, I think he, it wouldn't shock me if yeah. Johnson had issues with Houston or Denver or Indianapolis and he turned them down too. Uh, I mean, it just happens sometimes you're not a match. I was, I was willing to bet, and I don't bet, honestly, and I, I probably, shouldn't because I suck at picking games but if I had to bet on Ben Johnson being the head coach about three days ago four days ago before he backed out I would have bet on him Billy that's how strongly I felt about it I, I didn't believe the Sean Payton stuff 
And I'm still not sure how serious that's going to end up being, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. And they still like Wilkes, but, I, man, I would have bet on Ben Johnson had he gotten in the building, but apparently that uh, that was a good bet to stay away from. Right. Um, hey, you know, it happens. It's, yep. You have to... Um, these are only one of 32 jobs at the end of the day. And I understand there's some, there might be some trepidation with the owner and how he, uh, does his business. Uh, again, I don't, you know, you and I, John, we're not, um, you know, in a position to speak on what he can do or what he can't do. No. All we can say is, um, you know, let's hope he actually gets the job done. Um, and that brings me to my next point. Uh, so obviously the Sean Payton rumors. Uh, I've been kind of following uh, Colin Coward's show on Fox Sports mm-hmm. uh, 1, and I, I don't really care for Coward. I don't listen to the show. The only reason I'm <laughs> listening to it is because him and Sean Payton are obviously very close. Yeah, um, He's even said as much on his show that he has dinner with Payton during the di- uh, evenings when he has interviews and he can confirm and deny some of the things that are going on with that <laughs> uh, with that particular situation nice so I was cozy relationship yesterday. they got going there real cozy yeah and, and i mean it, it's it's nothing that un it's it's not unordinary no, just, i know i know um so peyton it just seemed like yesterday reading the tea leaves listening to his show that a lot of momentum was building towards Sean Payton potentially getting uh, hired by the Broncos. And that still could very well be the case. If I had to guess, I'd say Denver is probably a front runner uh, at this moment in time. And then I saw Tom Pelissoro from NFL Network and uh, the NFL.com on Rich Eisen's show. And he said, that Tepper is very skeptical of giving up multiple high draft picks and paying Peyton top dollar to be his coach. A day before that, there was a report from the Washington Post that Tepper would give up everything. I never believed that for one second because I, with all due respect to the Washington Post, I don't know who that reporter was. Um, that just, to me, it seemed like it came directly from Sean Payton's agent. That felt like a, a, an agent leak. And that was Mark Maskey, who usually, I mean, Mark's been around for a long time, but that Dan Patrick ran with that. And, and I, and I like, he, I like Dan, but Dan, Dan got, Patrick said something about like Tepper is publicly saying this. Yeah. Yeah. I, said that. Yeah. And I, I, I love Dan. Look, he's cream of the crop when it comes to sports talk. I, I never got the sense that Tepper has ever publicly said that. So I think a lot of people were questioning. I retweeted it yesterday just to kind of get it out there, and then I I took it down because honestly I was tired of people getting in my mentions about it. It's like I didn't say it. I'm just retweeting the damn thing. But oh, it's for sure. it's interesting. Like Peyton, uh, you know, having that relationship with Cowherd, this is one thing he does. Now I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Billy. I just wanted to get a quick point in about it. Mm-hmm. Parcells, I, I can't stress this enough. If you and you, I know you're a historian of the game as as much as I am, but th- there's a deep connection between those guys and you listen to mutual connections between the two and you get the sense that there is still some parcels advising going on there at least if not directly indirectly on how Peyton's thinking this thing through and one thing parcels did among others and Peyton is like his he is his son basically his mannerisms are the same everything he weaponizes the media and I mean that in a positive sense and he's taking the spots on cowherd and using Colin as an opportunity, I think, with this statement that Cowherd put out yesterday about 
you know, can Sean fix Russ? I believe the answer is yes. And the fact that Russ has reached out to Sean saying, I need fixing. And look, I don't, I don't doubt any of that. And I, I wouldn't say that Cowherd would get on the air and say any of this unless Sean asked him to or Sean said, sure, yeah, let's get it out there. So they developed a nice bond, but it's it's a great way for Peyton to finesse this situation, which he's doing a masterful job of right now. Um, and he should. He should maximize every penny or not take any of these jobs if it doesn't feel right. But um, one thing I will say is when Cowherd talked yesterday, one of the guys he mentioned was Mike Kleiss, I believe his name is. Mike Kleiss. Mike Kleiss, yeah, from Denver uh, Channel 9 out there. And yeah, he's, he's been a beat reporter for the Broncos for like, at least two to three decades. He is, and I, I hate that I got his last name wrong because I always see his tweets, and he does a great job. But he actually corrected something Cowherd said. Cowherd apparently had said that Peyton is the number one candidate in Denver, and Mike went on retweeted and says, much appreciate the shout-out, Colin, for clarity. I'm not reporting Sean is the number one candidate. He might be, but I don't know. I did report the Broncos were impressed with Sean Payton, and there's mutual interest. So, you know, I, Cowherd's fine. He does what he does. But just as a sports talker, by trade here and one that likes to not mislead just be careful what you hear and and do a little due diligence there because we saw a couple cases yesterday where some very good sports talkers out there didn't present the facts in their totality so i just wanted to make that statement for sure yeah and i think again i'm not going to tell what anyone should do i was just kind of going off a lot of the momentum that was uh, being reported yeah. uh, by the by coward, um, but l- let's just get back to business here. I I don't believe at this stage that Tepper is prepared to give up multiple picks and pay high salary, as Pelicero said. Um, that just does not seem like something he wants to get involved with. Again, it's totally fine for him to interview Sean Payton. I just don't think that. The compensation again, whatever salary he wants to pay, that's his money, not mine. Yeah. But you know, you know, you and I are fans of the team. We don't necessarily, at least I don't personally, want to see this type of capital being given for Peyton. Now, if it was a first rounder, I can swallow my pride and say yes. But because you're in a situation that you're in the same division as the Saints, the price is going to be higher, and. Uh, that's just the way it is at this point. And unfortunately, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily see that happening right now. Maybe if uh, things change, we'll get back to it. But, um, but again, that interview was supposed to take place yesterday or excuse me today. And due to the uh, unfortunate tragedy of one of the Charlotte FC players, Antoine Walks uh, passing yeah. away on a, in a boat accident, uh, down in South Florida, uh, that interview has been, at least to my knowledge, postponed. I don't know if it's been canceled entirely. Um, now, you mentioned this earlier. I don't necessarily have any, uh, at least I haven't seen any reporting that would suggest the interviews with Ken Dorsey and Mike Kafka, which are scheduled to take place this weekend. I don't know if those have been canceled or postponed either. Yeah. Um, I saw Ian Rappaport's tweet. He said it was two DC interviews. I don't know if he was, if the two, I, again, I don't know what's going on because we'll get to this in a second. This team is interviewing defensive coordinators before head coaches. 
Yeah, <laughs> Let, I'll a lot going on there. Let me just clarify. Uh, Rappaport um, said that uh, two DC interviews and Peyton got canceled. Now, I don't know, again, if he's referring to two defensive coordinators who got who were supposed to have interviews this weekend and they got postponed or um, if he might have typoed it and it was a head coach. Or maybe uh, Washington, D.C., Billy, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, know. ki- I'm kidding. I think, I think he meant uh, yeah, D.C., but I don't know. I don't know what he means. Yeah, so we'll – I mean, be sure to follow. You're, you're doing a really great job of – you know, keeping up with this. So uh, everyone just follow John on Twitter whenever he um, posts some information, he'll retweet it and also report it uh, or at least aggregate the reporting. But what the heck is going on with this defensive coordinator search? I, I, I've never seen anything like this in my life following yeah. coaching. I just, I don't understand. And with all due respect to the front office, whoever is involved, Fitter, Morgan, Pat Stewart. I don't even know if Pat Stewart is involved, but I'm going to assume that you know, David Tepper is involved. Um, why are they interviewing defensive coordinators? I don't know. I, I don't know. What and the I, hell does David Tepper know about inverted cover two? Like, <laughs> down. Well, what, he, what does David Tepper hey, know about look, a red cover two in? You, you know, you, you in go the back. Uh, uh, hey, remember Jordan Rodriguez and Joe Person had that report. Back in 20, 2019, that he wanted to move the defensive structure to more of what they ran in twenty nineteen. So, don't don't count David Tepper out in terms of being a defensive savant, Billy. Come on now, <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know what to make of this. It, it's an odd approach. It's I, I've waffled really? back and forth between like, okay, I'm fine with it, especially like a Vic Fangio. He he's a catch all type of candidate. I mean, look, you you can. You can hire any head coach you want. I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I'm sure you might agree somewhat that Vic Fangio would be fine with me as a defensive coordinator if they got the young guy. That's what I think it is. Uh, this is like a multi-purpose type of canvas opportunity to get Vic Fangio in the building and just know, hey, we're going to stick you with Ben Johnson maybe or Mike Kafka, who, by the way, I don't think Mike Kafka wants this job or is going to come here. That's just kind of what I've heard. Yeah, but I don't think Kafka will be here either. I, I don't. I don't really want Dorsey. I'm sorry. I, I like Dorsey, but I think I'm, I'm just not quite there with Ken yet. But we'll talk about all that. I think their their view might be okay. You know, hey, Vic can run a defense. Either way we go, we know Sean Payton's mentioned Vic Fangio, but this is the problem with that, Billy. Like coaches kind of want their own guys, and it's really. I mean, you saw what like Brian Dable did. They do this? No, it, it wasn't Wink Martindale and then Brian Dable. It was Brian searching it out and feeling it out and finding the right guy, and they brought in Martindale. It's been a great marriage. That's what you want. Maybe, you know, Al Holcomb is now interviewing for D.C. opportunities, but um, they already have a head coach down there, so that's fine. It, it is strange, yeah, Billy. I, 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 this process, it's, it feels backwards, and until it's proven to me that this is an effective way to do it, and people have brought up, you know, well, Eberflus and McDaniel, you know, yeah, that happened, and that was weird how that happened, and that was a much what different situation. Well, the, the Colts thing, where I believe Eberflus was interviewed before Frank Wright got the job, but he was a part oh, of McDaniel's. Well, that, was, that was a much different because McDaniel yeah, pulled out last that, second. That's, yeah, one one tangential thing I've heard connected to this is that, and I, I don't know, I wouldn't do it this way. Um, it doesn't seem like the best practice. But I, what what are you going to do? I mean, I can't control it. It's it's what they're doing. So they've they've interviewed Vic Fangio. I think Marquand Manuel 
was, and, you know, Marquand played here. I guess that's the one connection you can make. Vic was the first defensive coordinator in franchise history, but that, that none of that matters because Tepper is trying to put in new guard stuff here. It's the old guards out. I want to put in my own stamp, and it's part of the reason he didn't, you know, rubber stamp Steve Wilkes here is he's trying to make a statement here that, you know, I don't mind him doing that either, but, like, you want to build your own culture, your own stuff here i don't think any of the past connections matter but those are the two guys to my knowledge that have interviewed for the dc job here are there any others that i'm missing or um i'm sure there's more to come I, they're gonna do it this way and what about the oc too i know i guess ben mcadoo's still under contract because they yeah, they offered I these mean, guys like two-year deals typically so there's all this talk about oh, dc dc but i guess they're assuming we're gonna get the offensive guy and Ben's under contract. It's a very, it's all very delicate and weird, all of it. Yeah, and the weird part was that there was reporting that Steve Wilkes wants to keep Al Holcomb, but they're allowing Al Holcomb to interview with the Falcons for their defensive coordinator opening. Right. Um. So let me just say one thing on this, and I'll tie it back to a guy you just mentioned, Brian Dable. Um. So two, I believe it's three guys they've interviewed, Mark, or at least reported. Marquand Manuel, who is with the Jets. Yeah. Chris Richard, who is the oh, asso- yeah. assistant defensive coordinator, uh, I think co-defensive coordinator for the Saints, and uh, Vic Fangio. Now, let's just try to keep in all the NFL rules since, uh, unfortunately, that you know the team has been in violation of other rules. Yeah. Um, you do have to interview two minority candidates for your defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator roles before you hire them. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, this kind of hinted that they probably wanted to get a head start on their defensive coordinator search because they had a guy in mind. I don't know who that guy is, but again, I totally agree that you should talk to Vic Fangio regardless. Even if you have a head coaching opening, just talk to him. The guy is... Yeah. It brings a wealth of knowledge, not only just about defense, but about the NFL and how a team should be run, how a defense should be run. So I fully endorse speaking to Vic Fangio. I have a ton of respect for him. My issue, though, is reaching out to guys like Marquand Manuel and Chris Richard. And again, being proactive is fine. The issue is I would rather the head coach, whoever that is, initiate those conversations and interviews because right. to me i don't i hope it's not they're not breaking any type of tampering charges or issues that you know they speak to one of the head coaching candidates and those guys give them a list of names that hey I this you know i'd like to speak to these guys if i get the job i mean that's totally fine the head coach should be doing that not, not the owner and the general manager and all these people like with all due respect it's you you have to if you want to build a culture and a team um you know that's just sort of the normal approach yeah as it relates to brian dable one i read an article from the athletic dan duggan who's their beat writer for the new york giants he said that when he got the job and dable is it doesn't call the place mike kafka calls the place that's a very good point and kafka and Dable didn't have a relationship prior to him getting the job. Yep. Martindale and Dable did not have a relationship. The article kind of just, it, it was such a well-done piece. And I think every head coach should do this. Dable wanted guys that he wasn't just 
buddies with. He went out of his comfort zone to hire NFL competent people mm-hmm. because he said, hey, you know what? That Ravens defense has given me a lot of trouble in the past. Why don't yeah. I bring it here? Hey, that Chiefs offense that I've seen that you know scored in 13 seconds against us to <laughs> you know take it to overtime and win the game, you know, I really appreciate that. And I've heard good things about Mike Kafka. That's the sort of approach that should be taken by any prospective head coaches. Get outside your comfort zone. Uh, the other guys that he brought on, uh, Andre Patterson, is arguably one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL. He worked I agree. under Mike Zimmer for a number of years. And uh, you can just look at the development of Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau. Those guys have been, I mean, Lawrence is an all pro this year, and Thibodeau has been really coming on when he's been healthy. So that's, you got to look outside your comfort zone. Matt Rule and. Ron Rivera, they hired a lot of their friends and buddies, and oh, man. you know it, it worked with Rivera for a little bit, but unfortunately, it kind of got stale at the end. And for Rule, it clearly didn't work because he was hiring all of his college friend clown pals show, Miller. absolute clown show. So you have to just hire an NFL guy and let them lead the process, and hopefully, th- these guys have, um, you know, the humility to go outside their comfort zone to interview these guys for offensive and defensive coordinator. You shouldn't let that be determined by the general manager and owner. No, you, you can't. And you you know, the staff that he put together up there in New York, you're talking about, you know, obviously Brian Dable. It's, it's impressive between Martindale and Kafka and, and absolutely giving Kafka play calling ability was the right decision because as the head coach, you need that, uh, ability to have you know that that freedom to run the team and and as you can see on the sidelines he runs the team he runs it with authority you mentioned Andre Patterson they also have Brian Cox on staff and he's one of the best linebacker line coaches in the league um they've got Mike Groh on staff another guy I think highly of um they just it's, it's well staffed it's well thought out Bobby Johnson who coaches their O-line they kept Thomas McGahee um and that's interesting I heard a story about that and I think it might have been from the same article where Brian said, okay, get in front of me and tell me how you talk to the team. And after about two minutes, he said, look, do you want the job? And he said, yeah. I said, all right, it's yours. <laughs> that's just so classic. But that's that's what you need to be as a head coach. You have to have the ability to make those decisions. And I, I do like the ability to bring in guys that you're not necessarily buddies with. But I don't like this matchmaker type of approach that it seems like Carolina might be working here. Again, it just feels like kind of a multi-purpose canvassing effort of okay we know we can connect this dot to Vic Fangio and I'll just say look you mentioned the Rooney Rule stuff I would like to think that the other two gentlemen involved Manuel and Richard who I think very highly of both those guys especially Chris Richard who's been through this process a lot and deserves more opportunities but you have to look at the the box checking exercise that these teams do and you have to imagine the Vic Fangio stock being what it is that he'd be the favorite there especially when you connect him with Sean Payton, and there's been that talk that Sean Payton has that interest. And you also look at the model that was run down there with the Rams, with McVay being a young guy with an older defensive coordinator. But to my knowledge, McVay was part of that process in choosing Wade Phillips. I might be mistaken, but I don't think they went out and got Wade Phillips to recruit Sean McVay. I'm pretty sure that's not how that worked. So to me, it feels a little bit like just backwards. It just feels backwards. Now, maybe it works out and it's a great thing. But I don't think it's accidental that Sean Payton mentioned reportedly Vic Fangio being one of the guys he'd look at as a staff member, and Fangio's in the building having a conversation with David Tepper. Um, 
I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so as it stands now, like we said, we mentioned the five guys who have already interviewed for this position. Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, Steve Wilkes, uh, Elijah Evero, and Shane Steichen. Um, again, we were told that the interview with Sean Payton has been postponed. Um, and there were reports that Kafka and Dorsey take place this weekend. Now, again, the logistical issues with Domenico Ryans could have Carolina circle back with him if Tepper and his private jet want to hop on a flight to <laughs> San Jose, California. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's his, that's his decision to make, not mine. Uh, but let me just ask you this, John. Um, you obviously feel that Dorsey isn't ready, and, you know, that's your opinion. I'm curious to know why. I, I think... Um, at least just from a play design and offensive architecture standpoint. I know Buffalo fans are killing the guy, but uh, I don't think their quarterback has particularly played within the offense well. Um, so I would totally be fine with Ken Dorsey. Uh, but, and I agree with you, I don't necessarily think Mike Kafka is um, going to be a head coach, and I don't necessarily think he will be a head coach here in Carolina. Um, of those two, what are your thoughts? No, I don't dislike Dorsey. I probably should rephrase how I put that. I, I wouldn't necessarily steer away from him. I don't know how much mutual interest there is yet, although I will say Dorsey, for a guy who has been here before, I'd imagine that that would be a pretty nice return to, to come back and be the head coach of this team. Yeah, I think the structure of their offense, the schematics are very good. They're They're definitely a very prolific offense and they've got a good quarterback and he's been a key part of developing that quarterback. So let's not forget that. So I think if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for somebody who has been calling plays before, who has a lot of experience with quarterbacks. I mean, he did a lot of good work with Cam Newton right in in this neck of the woods back in the day. You've got your guy. Um, I, I am interested to see how this team looks at Shane Steichen. Uh, I like, his pedigree, I like what he's done. I like what he's been through in terms of being in the mix, in terms of play design, in terms of their structure, and in terms of what he brings to the table in terms of concepts. The Ben Johnson thing, I think, just kind of – it didn't get me down. I think I just got a little bit excited that he was going to be their lead guy and they had a real good plan for that, and that fell through. Now, if you're looking at the veterans, I don't think it's Jim Caldwell. I, again, these are not my preferences. I'm just telling you what I think might happen. I think Frank's still got a pretty decent chance to get this job, Frank Reich. Um, and I think Steve Wilkes, you know, and I I know Rappaport and, and Garofalo, or Garofalo, I should say, had mentioned this on their podcast, that they're, they opined that it's looking better for Steve Wilkes. And I think Garofalo even said, if I'm Dave Tepper, I would hire Steve Wilkes right now. I, I wouldn't do that quite yet. I'd finish the process out here. But um, I think that's still very much in play. For, for that sake, I'm not going to be too opinionated. I think Steve's got a lot of work to do if he gets this job in terms of fixing the offense, and they got to make decisions there. Um, Evero is a interesting, fascinating candidate with a lot of background, with a lot of coaches, and I like that. But it really is about you know, like how connected you can be to ownership and management. And I, I'll say this about the Sean Payton thing. You know, it's, it's awkward to talk about a little bit because that interview is delayed with some circumstances that are understandable behind that. But you know, I mentioned Mike K earlier, Bill, and I know you know Mike a little bit, and he's been on the pod here with us. And we were talking 
offline a little bit about how attractive this job is. And I'd, I'd want to get your opinion on that, because there's been a lot of talk, a lot of chatter that of the five openings, this is the most attractive. How do you view it? Do you view it as an attractive opening, the best of the not-so-attractive openings? Or, or where, do you, where do you lean on that if you're a candidate? Everybody's different, but from your lens, how attractive is this job? Yeah, it's pretty attractive. I would, believe it or not, I'd probably say Houston is the most attractive, um, only because you have the draft capital you have, I mean, you can just do so much. Number yeah. two overall pick, and you have multiple first round picks, and um, you know, a decent amount of you know capital in the other rounds as well. So, uh, and there's not going to be enough, a lot of pressure to win immediately. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly the most one of the most ta- one of the more talented teams, especially uh, given the reports that. Um, Arizona could be moving on from DeAndre Hopkins. I think that this job with uh, this roster is certainly talented. And and that's, again, with all due respect to Steve Wilkes, I look at the eight teams that are in the divisional round of the playoffs, the teams that are remaining. Seven of eight of them are top 10 in passing offense, according to DVOA. Yeah. And Dallas is outside the top 10, but... Um, obviously they've just had some inconsistencies with their quarterback play uh, with Dak Prescott, who played phenomenally the other night. Uh, but I just look at the way the NFL is trending and having a good passing offense. Like there used to be a saying that defenses win championships. And I'm not denying that like San Francisco, Buffalo, Philadelphia, even Dallas and uh, the Bengals, they all have solid to good defenses. I'm not going to try to diminish the impact of it. But when I look at this franchise right now, it's pretty clear that passing offense, that's the way you get make a deep run in January and February. And I think that's where you have to really uh, figure out if, do you think Steve Wilkes can hire the right offensive personnel or excuse me, offensive staff to, create a top 10 passing offense yeah do you think he can find the right quarterback i don't know like i just i saw some things late in the year especially in that tampa game where i don't know if i don't think you know doug peterson or andy reed or uh, you know, some oh, of these other I mean, coaches i don't think they're gonna yeah. go for, i don't think they're gonna <laughs> punt the ball on fourth and one yeah um yeah. in opponent territory and that just kind of turned me off a little bit with him and again i understand and respect the the work he's done and i'm not saying that he shouldn't um you know warrant a position but i just look across the landscape of these openings you know wilkes seems to be only a contender here in carolina um not necessarily a contender and uh, the other three so i know one of them he's obviously not gonna be a contender because he got fired from there which is arizona but it's not a you know, not interviewing with that, the Broncos. That, that would be that would be a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not interviewing with Denver or uh, Indianapolis or the uh, yeah the Texans either. So I just I, I just have a little s- skepticism about um, w- with Wilkes in that regard, and so that's why I feel like you know I think going with the offensive coordinator approach just makes the most sense because you do have talented personnel on defense. And if you hire just 
a competent to maybe even a great defensive coordinator like a Fangio, or if you hire someone competent, I don't know anything about Manuel. I know Richard, you know, he's from the Seattle tree and he's kind of built his own image since he's left there. Uh, but just guys like that, I think that the defense will continue to play at a pretty respectable um, level and probably even a decent level. Yeah. Uh, and, and so overall, I just believe that this team uh, if they want to be contending in the future and sustainable contending, I'm not talking about just a one-year fluke run. I'm talking about year over year. I think becoming a top ten passing offense, and certainly that you know that's part of finding a quarterback too. Um, but if this team wants to just become a winner year over year, I think you have to figure out how to become a top ten passing offense. And if you feel that Steve Wilkes can do that with his staff, then Go for it. Uh, I'm a little skeptical, but um, you know th- these other candidates like Shane Steichen and uh, even Kafka and whoever I know Kafka probably um, a long shot. But uh, no, I, mean, I think yeah, that's the direction I would go. Dorsey too. I mean, yeah, they're they're all fine candidates. And the the one thing I take some comfort in is knowing that you know if I'm a Panthers fan right now, you, you can't. Uh, no pun intended you can't rule out a disaster <laughs> okay so they're not at the finish line yet there there still has a long way to go here in terms of especially all the circumstances they're dealing with right now with the soccer team and i get it man i've, I've been very very direct about that that i you know I, my heart goes out to the entire charlotte fc team right now including the owner but at some point you got to get back on the horse and get back to the business of looking for a head coach and right now I take a little bit of comfort in the fact that the candidates they've interviewed, including Wilkes, all check a lot of boxes for me in terms of, okay, NFL acumen, NFL readiness. Yeah, there's some things I can look at and say, I'm not sure about this. I agree with your point about being a little conservative on fourth down. That's concerning. I try to look at some of the positives Steve did in terms of taking what felt like a very broken operation in short order and making it operable. Operable. But we've talked about the history of interim head coaches, and and look, it hasn't been exactly translatable to future success, and I think they've given Steve a great opportunity here to not only be viewed as a good interim head coach, but they're really considering him for this job. It's not checking a box off the Rooney rule. It's not this or that. There are a lot of people in that building that have Steve's back, and it's not just the old guard people either. Um, in terms of Rivera guys or guys that are in the building that have been here for 15, 10 years, although those people are dwindling in numbers. Um, I, I'll say this, Billy, and I you just talk to people around the league. I, I really want to know who's in the building or who's in the room, wherever it might be held with David Tepper. I, I want to know who those people are because you have to imagine it's Scott Fitter. But you hear things about, is it? are there other people that are in this process with Nicole Tepper and David Tepper and and the general manager that we would imagine would be. It, is Steve Drummond in that room? I don't know. Some would suggest he is because he usually is with David Tepper in these decisions. Um, and there's a real interesting dynamic, I think, in that building. You have a lot of support for Steve Wilkes in-house. And then you have the Sean Payton dynamic where it was a lot like the Harbaugh thing, Billy. There are a lot of people that might feel like their job might be in trouble if they hire Sean Payton. You get what I'm saying? So there's that dynamic, too, that seems very uncomfortable. Now, do I think that Sean gets this job ultimately? I don't. I, I 
don't think Sean comes here, and I don't think the owner is absolutely head over heels, as was reported in the Washington Post, pay you anything you want. I don't think either side is there. I, I keep going back to Denver or just staying put, maybe even Houston. But it could happen, and if it does happen, yeah, you know, you're not stupid, Billy. You know how this works. Ryan Pace's name has been brought up. Jeff Ireland's name has been brought up. They're close. So, I mean, does Scott stay if Sean Payton comes? There's a lot of dynamics here that make it kind of murky to me. That's I'll leave it at that. I mean, just a little bit of what I hear behind the scenes in that building. I don't think it's turmoil. It's not like that. But there, there are dynamics and layers to this. And I think that's why you see some in the media in Charlotte, and they're not wrong for saying this, and I agree with it. Be patient, because this is going to take a little time to get sorted out here. And it is an important decision for this owner to make, so I get it. Senior Bowl's right around the corner. You'd hope it gets done in advance of all that, but um, we'll see. I I don't know if your Sean Payton interest level is high or low or is dependent on compensation, but I'd love to hear what you think about Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, I I like Sean Payton. Do I like Sean Payton giving up a first rounder this year or next year? Probably not. Yeah. Um, Because then what's he working with? I mean, that's part of the issue. I think he's looking at that too, like trying to drive the price down on that end, but he won't. There'll be a different price for Carolina. You know that. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just, I mean, if they hire Sean Payton, like obviously it's definitely a good hire, but um there's just you have to figure out how to fix this quarterback position and there isn't a free agent quarterback look lamar jackson's going to be tagged whether you like it or not i don't necessarily see that happening so then how are you going to upgrade the quarterback if you're down multiple first round picks i mean good luck that's all i'll say what have they packaged Um, what they packaged the second and third this year and then a first or something like that i mean that's been brought up too i I know that that that's always a possibility that that would at least give you a chance to to take a swing at one of these first round quarterbacks but there again that that's not good but 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 you're picking ninth overall yeah i know you're not picking in the top five and with the reporting that's going on it's not going to be enough to get you into that area and and like let's just keep it real with all due respect this team isn't just a quarterback away like you know jc horn has been a great player when he's on the field but he hasn't been healthy either yeah he's had some injuries so you gotta sign you gotta figure out how to how do we figure sign some depth guys maybe even draft a corner in the second day of the draft because certainly the outside guys opposite of horn aren't getting it done we saw that in tampa and but linebacker the linebackers, too. yeah, the line, exactly. Like yeah. another Shaq might be retiring from what you. I mean, there, there could not that he is, but there's been speculation he might be moving on. And, and your edge rusher too. Yeah, I watched Reddick tape last night. And I was like crying. I was like, man, you just you got to have something better opposite of Burns. There, Burns is a good player, but he needs some help on that other side. So yeah, this team they need those picks. Like they didn't make that move with the intention that you know, they're a player away. They made that move because they were losing games. And I understand that there was another head coach here at the time, but uh, I mean, they still finished with a seven and 10 record. They have a negative point differential. I don't think they beat, you know, one playoff team. I mean, I know the outside of the bucks and well, they, know, beat Seattle. Respect, they beat I don't Seattle. care if I don't think they're necessarily a playoff team. I mean, they beat the Lions, which is a good win, but the the road uh, win against Seattle was nice. But no, I mean, overall, you here's the thing: you can't bank on eight wins being enough anymore. That's a that's an outlier. You know that this is going to be like we we think about it every year, like oh, 
here's the NFC South. It's going to be this way for the next three or four years. No, it's not. Someone's going to rise up and become better, and it might be Carolina, but the new standard is is not going to be eight wins get you in the playoffs, or seven wins, whatever the hell it was, eight, I think Tampa won. That You can't rely on that, so I totally agree that you got to be like thinking forward, like, okay, you want to really contend, you got to be ready to win 10 games. That's the number. Yeah, and and I, and I mean, I want them to be like, I don't want like a fraudulent 10 wins like the Vikings where you have like a negative point differential and you're 11 and 0 in close games. I want, you know, a 10 wins where you have a positive point differential. You're in the top half of the league in advanced metrics like DVOA and EPA per play. Like I want to make sure that this team is like sustainably good. Uh, So, you know, I I don't know, man. Like obviously I think Peyton would change the dynamics inside that building and he would hold people accountable i know there's a lot of people that don't like working for sean Payne because he makes them uncomfortable but at the end of the day he gets wins now again i don't want sean payton if it means giving up the type of draft capital that i've seen um and yeah it would be more than people think i mean it, he said on he said on coward show it'd be a mid to late first round pick and i laughed at that because that's his way of driving that price down for his benefit um for Carolina, so yeah, I would, I would, uh, uh, right now, I would say my number one choice is Shane Steichen. Um, yeah, and probably, I don't know. I mean, let's see who else they interview. I'm sure, um, you know, the Dorsey and Kafka things. I mean, I would take Dorsey or Kafka next after that. I just think, John, they really have to figure out how to create a top 10 passing offense next year if they want to be a, a if they want to continue to be a good football team. Um, I'm just, you know, very, again, I understand that Steve Wilkes has a very real shot. I'm not dismissing that at all. I just, um, from my perspective, I'm just a little skeptical that he can hire a staff offensively that will accomplish that. Um, Yeah, just wait till Sean Payton, just wait till Sean Payton comes and brings Tom Brady, though, Billy. It'll fix everything. (laughs) Um, But that's just where I stand. I mean, that's, I don't know if we have anything. Yeah. further to add to that but no, that's i just I, I wanted to pick your brain on it man i appreciate it because we talked a lot about these other guys but i didn't get your real deep dive on sean payton and i yeah i'll leave it at that i agree that um that's a lot to give up you start looking at what you need and you start looking at guys getting a little older and then guys that are underperforming and are you going to bank on your offensive line being that good again that consistent for that long that I mean, healthy that that's a that was a damn good break that and they they gotta they gotta be that way every year to be as effective as they were in the run game and still the passing game left a lot to be desired. You're right. I mean it, it's I like Steve. I'd be I'd be happy for him and elated for him if he got this job. But I don't know what the right answer is. I just don't. We'll see what happens. But when you hire a defensive coach coming in, now you got to flip the script and go back to the offense and say, okay, now what's our plan for that? Because now Ben McAdoo's been sitting there, I I suppose under contract, just waiting to hear what's going to happen. And we know he's probably not coming back. I, there's no way. So the, the, you're running out of time to a certain degree in some areas, and part of that is figuring out the offense if you go defensive head coach. So we got to see what happens there. Yep. Um, anything else you want to add? I don't have anything on my end. No, I'm good, man. Uh, good talk. And, you know, like you said, by the time you all listen to this podcast, hopefully nothing crazy's happened since then. But uh, best of luck to the Panthers in their – Search and and as we always say, hang in there because uh, I think better days are on the way here if they can just get a good candidate in the building, get him signed and delivered. We do have some late breaking news here. Uh, Adam Schefter just reported that Sean Payne's interview is now being tentatively 
rescheduled for Monday, January th- 23rd, as Panthers owner David Tepper remains focused on the tragic death of Charlotte FC defender Antoine Wilkes. So sounds like Peyton yeah. and Tepper will meet on Monday. I, yeah, so. Tentatively, we'll see. Um, yep. That just dropped right as we were doing the pod, so glad we got that in before we logged off, Bill. There you go. We'll keep you guys updated with any more news. Thank you, and have a great day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.